Wait, really? Okay. So let me just say, you were just hopping and skipping and moving all around with this. You won't doing all that with the book bag. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not, okay, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this is heavier, right? So, all right. I'm not going to argue with y'all. All I know is y'all saw what I saw, right? It looked like he was having a lot better time holding the truck than he was with the book bag. I believe you, but I'm just saying you didn't. Okay? So, woo, y'all are making this lesson go on. Okay, we're going to get on moving. Moving along, moving along. All right, I'll let you try in Sunday school church, okay? So listen, my point, my point is that there's some days, that's what we feel like. We got a burden. We got all kinds of loads on our back. But let me tell you something. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of weight stuff. Oh, it didn't. Okay. Well, you try holding weight and the book bag, and then we'll talk. So, <laughs> so listen. My point being is we all go through life with something on our backs. Sometimes it's because we have homework. Sometimes it's because me and the teacher are just not getting along and she wants me to do so much work and I just want to go home and play baseball or whatever the case may be. But I want you to understand something. You just want to go with baseball? Yes. See, that's what I'm saying. But unfortunately, we do have to go to school. And unfortunately, we do need to sit and listen to what the teacher has to say and we have to do the homework so we can do the fun extra stuff. Okay, but what I want you to understand is, is even when we have those burdens on our back, we have the light of Jesus to carry us through, right? And he is the one, hey, y'all listen to me. I know this was extra long, I'm sorry. But listen, what I want you to understand is, unfortunately in life, sometimes we do have those scary things that happen. And sometimes we do have those bad days. But the good news is, is we have the light of Jesus to carry us through. And he wants us to talk to him even on those days. Okay? Those are the days that he really wants us to speak with him so he can give us the guidance that we need to make it through. All right? So whenever you feel like you got burdens on your back, I want you to do what? What are you going to do when you feel a heavy, heavy load on you? We're going to pray to Jesus, right? And even on your good days, we need to be praying to Jesus. You know why? Because we have a good day. And he doesn't only want to talk to us when we have loads on our back. He wants, to talk, he wants us to talk to him all the time. All right? So let's remember that this week. Can we put our hands together and our eyes closed? Woo, we got so much going on today. All right. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for always being our light to shine even when we're in the darkness. Thank you for always reminding us what's important. And even when we're loaded down with too much to carry, we always know you'll be there to help us all the way. In your precious name we pray, amen. Amen.
If you'll turn to Colossians chapter 1. Now guys, we are getting into a particular section of Colossians that is, I think, if I'm not mistaken, pretty highly you know, debated in a lot of ways with theology and, and all of that. But it's also just a very high, high exaltation of Jesus. And it, when I chose Colossians, this is one of the reasons I chose Colossians for the passage that we're about to dive into as a church. Understand, it's going to take me several Sundays to unpack what's here from verses 15 to 20. And then as we dive into each little detail that's there or, you know, some of the little details that's there, not all of them, we're, we'll back up when we get to the end of that after we've done that. And then we'll try to put the whole passage together and determine what this means for our church. But I, I pretty much... Um, know in my heart that what is written here is very necessary for us as Tungsten Baptist Church and really any church but us as Tungsten Baptist Church right now to grasp and put in to practical application in our lives and so I want us to be eyes wide open hearts prepared and ears tuned in to what's written here okay Colossians 1, verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, a lot of times when you see, you and I, we, we do this instinctively without looking, but if we, we're starting on a particular verse and it says, He is the image automatically in your mind you're going okay who is the he that's being talked about that is the image of the invisible god and the firstborn of all creation and the only way to figure that out is to look at the context around you around that verse so let's back up for just a second and look at verse um 12 now remember verse 12 is part of a prayer that paul is praying for the colossian believers and he says, when we pray, we give thanks or we or um, we're praying that you verse 11 be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, we have been talking about this before the last two Sundays because we broke to, to do some Easter messages, but. We've been talking about light and darkness. We've been talking about uh, stepping into the inheritance that pre that's prepared for us as children of God. So we've been talking about that. But we have an inheritance that the Father has qualified us to enter into. We've already talked about that. For He, verse 13, rescued us from the domain of darkness. And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the father qualifies us by rescuing us from the kingdom of darkness. And bringing us into the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have forgiveness, redemption and forgiveness of sins. And so when it says he in verse 15, it's referring back to the beloved son whose kingdom we're transferred into. 
The one who gave us redemption and forgiveness. And we just learned about how he did that at the Easter season when he gave his life on a cross and then rose from the dead showing that he had won victory over our sin and victory over death. So when verse 15 says he is the image of the invisible God, it's referring to none other than Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah himself. Jesus the Messiah is the image of the invisible God. All right, so let's unpack that for just a minute. Now, this is kind of interesting to me as I was trying to study through this this week. And there's really so much here that I don't know that I have a, a full grasp of it all. I don't, I don't think so. But the Greek word is the aikon. You know, we can get, you know, icon or, 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 or things like that. But image today is huge. You know, Ashley sent me a text earlier this week, um, and it had her, but she had put it, her picture on Snapchat and, and made it look all kind of funky and then send it to me this week. So I got this image on my phone of Ashley looking kind of funky on Snapchat, right? But Facebook, everybody's worried about their image. How the world sees them. You women. I know because I live with one. Are and a lot and rightfully and, and, and to an extent, rightfully so, very cared about, very care you care a lot about your image. I can see it this morning because y'all are all dressed up. Right? <laughs> Miss Jeannie said you should have seen me yesterday. So you, you care a lot about your image. In our world with Hollywood and magazines and whatever else it is, we put a lot of focus on image. But our world's definition of image, and, and I think if we're not careful in our own hearts and minds, when we think about image, we think about what we portray to everybody else out there, and it doesn't matter whether it's the real deal or not. It's what's on the surface, and it's what we want others to think about us. We put our best face forward. And so the image we portray is not necessarily what is going on on the inside. It's not who we truly are. And guys, there's a whole lot, a whole lot of emotional sickness and lack of emotional health that comes from this mess with Facebook and Snapchat and TikTok and whatever else. Those are great tools if God's got a hold of you and you're using them in the right way. But they're also tools that the enemy can use to really mess us up. And a lot of it has to do with the fact of image and what the world sees of us. So when we, we talk about a particular verse that says Jesus is the image of the invisible 
God, we have to think about what are we getting at? What are we getting at? And then it says he's the firstborn, the prototakos in the Greek, of all creation. What does that mean? So here's, here's what I want us to do. I want us to turn to John chapter 1. And, and we're going to hit a few scriptures here. And we're going to develop a theology of who Jesus Christ is. And, and understand, guys, that this, it, it may not sound very important to you this morning. Theology, who wants to talk about theology? But this is so important for the life of the church. And it is so important for your own personal lives. And if we don't dive into it this morning, hopefully we're going to see it in the next couple of weeks. But turn to John chapter 1. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to read the first couple of verses. It, it, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, so whoever this Word is that John is saying, he's, he's calling something the Word, something that existed in the beginning was the Word. But he's also saying, whatever this one thing is, it is God. Right? The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, so understand that whoever this, whatever this concept, idea, personality, whatever it is, it is God, and it was there in the beginning. So let's keep reading, okay? All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. All right, so whoever this word is brought all things into being at the beginning. It is, he, he is God, and he's with God, and he brought all things into being, into existence. Okay, are we tracking together? All right. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. I, lo I love this. Okay? We read in Genesis 1, and we're hopefully going to go there in just a minute, Genesis 1, where God creates very life. Right? If you have so much power as to begin life, and you know, one of the main rules of, of science is life can only come from life. Already existing life. They've established that, one of the laws of science. And that's why I can't, for the life of me, figure out why somebody would cling to evolution. Because it means life comes from non-life. And it's actually unscientific to think that way. It wasn't until day four that he created the light sources. But on day one, he created the light. So what was the source God himself, right? That's what people are saying. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly, but we know that in heaven there will be no need of sun, right? Because of the glory of God. And we know as we read the Old Testament that God revealed himself like a fire, a burning bush, or a fire by night, 
Or when Moses was with God, the glory of God that was left on Moses was so radiant on his face that the children of Israel couldn't look at him. So this idea of God being light and his glory being represented by light is all throughout Scripture. And so I wonder if God stepping into his creation to finish his work of creating was the source of light that John 1 talks about, right? Because there was no other source of light except for God himself. Now, look at verse 26 of chapter 1. I'm going to make a kind of interesting point here. It says, God said, let us make man in our, oh, image. There's that word we were looking at a second ago. According to our likeness. We're starting to get a definition of what image means. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, why would I read all those verses together? And, and here's why. And guys, please, 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 please pay attention because this has everything to do with Colossians 1, 15 to 20. And it has everything to do with whether Tungsten Baptist Church is positioned correctly before God to be the church that he's called it to be. Everything. If you, have, if you are cursed and you have the authority to speak life into existence, then you are ruler of all by the very fact that you are creator, you own it all. When my kids get created, and they're drawing a picture or they're making some of that funky putty stuff that they mix stuff together and make, right? It's theirs. And you might get in trouble if you decide you want to touch theirs. But you might get lucky and they say, here, Daddy, see how this feels. And they let you. But because they made it, they own it. And because God is creator and he made it, he owns it. And he is the authority over what he has created. And you've got to love this. He says, I want to speak life into existence and I'm going to speak a male and a female and I'm going to speak them into existence in my image. And not only are we made like him in his image, in his likeness, both male and female. He says, I want you to rule over my creation. Subdue it. Check it out. You know, in the first act that God gave Adam, an act of, uh, of, of work where Adam had to obey, is he told him to name the animals. So what was he doing? He was enacting what God 
told him to do by ruling over creation, subduing it, studying it, doing what God called him to do, name the animals. God says, I am first. I am the authority. But as the one in authority, I spoke you into existence. And not only spoke, we're going to say something different in a minute here too. I spoke you into existence. I gave you life. And then I gave you authority over the world around you. Look at chapter 2 of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. Verse 4 says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth. When they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain upon the earth and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. And it says, verse 7, the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. You ever seen somebody do CPR? I remember at work having to go through a safety training course where we had to get trained in that. I don't know that I could do it now, but I had to get trained. You see somebody breathing life into the facial area close to the nostrils. Guys, if you're doing that, you are intimately involved with that person. And so many times we think as, as humans that God spoke us into existence and, 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 and God spoke many things into existence. But you, Genesis 2 says, just like my kids making that clay or that putty stuff. Slime. Thank you, Aaron. Ah, slime. Got to get my stuff straight. That's slime stuff. And they get to form it the way they want to form it. It says God formed Adam. From the dust of the ground. Do you know that how intimate that made him involved with his creation? And then John 1 says that Jesus was that spoke life, and the life was the light of men. And it says that God breathed the very life into him. So I get to thinking about it. We're made in the image of God. God formed us of the dust of the ground. And then he took the rib from Adam and formed Eve. And this word was God. God's intimately involved in his creation. Now, this is going to throw us off just a little bit because I was doing some reading this morning and it kind of just really opened my eyes to some things I haven't had opened before. But turn, keep your finger in Genesis. But turn back to John chapter 1. Who is this word? Verse 9. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. And look at verse 14. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now look at 
verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. So this word, John 1 says, was the very one who left heaven and came to earth, became flesh as a baby. Who is that? It's Jesus. Remember we talk about that? He's born of the Virgin Mary at Christmas time. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so when John 1 says the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word was in the beginning, the Word spoke life into existence, the Word was the light, then it's talking none other than about Jesus himself. And when it came to his own and his own didn't receive him, that's because he came to the Jewish nation who had been given all the messianic prophecies about the fact that he was going to come. So they should have been the ones to recognize him. And they weren't. Most of the Jewish nation actually said crucify him, crucify him. And they hung him on a cross to die. And so those did not receive him. He came into the very world that he created and was not received when it speaks about the word and who was there in the beginning understand it speaks of none other than the second person of the trinity jesus christ himself and so when we look back at genesis 1 look back there at genesis 1 god said god spoke and there was light and verse 26 says god said let us Make man in our image. So you got God the Father speaking. And if you look back at verse, um, verse 2. The earth was formless and void. The darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. You have the Holy Spirit who's hovering over the surface of the waters. So you got God the Father speaking. You got the Spirit hovering over the surface of the waters. And you're asking, where's Jesus? And we're saying, hey, if he was the light of men, then maybe when Jesus stepped into the creation, that his glory just represented itself in all of this light. And then when it came time to form man, that Jesus himself, Listened to the Father's plan and took Adam and took the dust just like my kids did with their slime. And he began to put it together and put it together and put it together until he got to the point where he said, we're ready. And then he bent, knelt down over that body and did CPR. Right? And here's. Here's an interesting thought. Turn to Genesis chapter, is it 19, 18 or 19? Oh no, yeah, yeah, that's right. 18 chapter 1, I mean 18 verse 1. It says, the Lord appeared to Abraham... By the oaks of memory while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. When he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought. We'll wash your feet and rest yourselves under that tree. And I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. 
So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant, and he hurried to prepare it. And he made this meal. And he gave it to them under the tree, and they ate. And he, they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. In other words, I'm about to bring life. You are so old, you can't have a son. Sarah is so old, she can't have a son. You've been trying for uh, over 25 years, at least, since I gave you a promise. Or right about under 20, just under 25 years since I gave you the promise. But this time next year, you're going to have a son and I'm going to bring life. So who's the only one who could do that? God. But understand that the way the Bible describes God showing up is not in spirit form. It's in what? Human form. Y'all see that? This is in the Old Testament. This is in Abraham's time. We just said Jesus came to earth and the Virgin Mary and became flesh. But now we're seeing Jesus way back, thousands of years before he even came in, or at least one member of the Godhead in human form. And the only one that can be to me is Jesus. Y'all see that? You keep reading the chapter. He's getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and the two guys are still with him. And he said, shall we let them know what we're about to do? And they said, yeah, we'll let them know. So Jesus has this whole conversation with Abraham. Very interesting stuff. So, so, it begs the question that when God was creating the world, did Jesus step in in human form at that moment? And his glory in his creation was nothing but light. If, if you read also, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and and Abednego. You read the story where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the furnace. Right? They, they looked in the furnace and said, oh, there's like four men in there. One like, one like the son of man. Very, very interesting thought. Okay? So, you know, I, I know a lot of times, this caught me this morning when I was studying we, thought, we think about being created in the image of God as being something spiritual and emotional, and it really is. But it makes me ask the question, are our human bodies physically created in the image of God? Hmm. Interesting thought. That maybe, maybe, maybe Genesis 1 is not talking just about spiritual and emotional things, but it's talking about physical things. Guys, um, You, you and I are created in the image of God and given the task of ruling and subduing the earth, the task of authority, the task that Jesus had as one in authority. And I want you to understand that when Jesus breathes life into us, it's not fake and make-believe. We don't look just alive on the outside and only like him on the outside. 
It's like He breathes in us the very life, the very existence of who we are. When we are made in His image, we are not fake and not just like it in just some sort of ways. We are the real deal. And when the Bible says that Jesus Himself is the very image of the invisible God, understand that He is not just some representation of God. He is not just some powerless um, picture or figure to remind us of God. That He is very God Himself come to meet with us and bring God's glory down to us in a way that we could see God, in a way that we can experience God, in a way that we can wrap our minds around Him and know who He is and how He is and how He is towards us. Look real quick and we're going to close. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the, whoa, the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus himself is the word. He was there at the beginning at creation. He was God himself, as John 1 says. As Hebrews 1 says, he has the exact characteristics, nature, and essence of God himself. He is God. When it says he is the image of the invisible God, understand that Jesus is God himself reaching down to us in a way that we can get to know who He is and experience His intimacy and His presence. Are y'all with me? And I know we started off struggling, but that is something to celebrate. That God in all of His grandeur, in all of His glory, in all of His invisibleness saw to it from the beginning to make a way that we could experience Him. I told you before, I said this sermon series is going to be, take me a while to get to verse 20, right? And when we get to the end, we're going to try to put it all together, but there are things here that are really, really important for the life of our church. And just as a sneak preview, understand that when God is first, He's the authority. And a church that recognizes who is the authority is the church that is in their right humble position to be used of Him. Do y'all hear me? That's just a sneak preview of what's to come when we unpack these scriptures. That being said, I'm just going to close us today, okay?
Dear God, I uh, thank you for people who pray for me on a regular basis, but the men who prayed for me this morning as I was struggling. I thank you for lifting my spirits. I thank you, God, that I don't serve some prototype. I don't serve some sort of false uh, halfway person who didn't quite make it as Godhead. I, I serve the very God himself when I worship Jesus. I thank you that I serve a God who is alive and who's active. And who, by being the very creator and therefore first one in existence, first one to step into creation, that he holds all authority. And that by his very nature, he chases darkness away when he steps into picture and Lord may the truth of those things chase the darkness away that's in our hearts and set us on a path for humbly resting in you in Jesus name Amen